Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter 4 and verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. A lot of times we talk about spiritual renewal, but we leave this dimension or this part out. But as much as the spirit is able to revive us and save us, restore us, save our soul, it's also able to renew and refresh our minds and I can't think of anything that is any more needed in today's generation than a renewing of the mind so many things are attacking people but this is the battleground and this is the place where a lot of people experience the greatest attack is in their mind it's hard to rise above things that have plagued your mind it's hard to rise above Well, the Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So when things get lodged in our mind, without the help of God, it's hard to overcome them. It's impossible within ourselves. That's why we need the Lord. Amen? And so verse 24 continues, and that ye put on the new man. And I want to say that putting on the new man includes that renewed mind, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We're all part of one body. Verse 26, be ye angry. Some people, that's the verse they've been looking for right there. That gives them validation. And sin not. They, they leave that, those next three words, they leave them off. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I know there's a lot there, but I would like to focus on that last part. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And um, maybe this is, this title that I'm going to use is not strictly adherent to, to what we've just read as far as just on its face, but I believe if you'll hear me out this morning, you'll understand where I'm going. I want to speak from this subject. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let the sun go down. Let's let's pray together that the Lord would bless and have its way in this place. Jesus, we ask that your spirit have its way. Move upon our hearts, touch our minds. God, I pray that you would bless and minister and work in this place today. We're thankful, O God, for your great and wonderful presence. I'm praying, God, that you would bless each and every person that is here this morning. We thank you, God, for keeping us and watching over us. And I thank you, Lord, that today you're going to minister through your word to the hearts and the lives of people. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And would you, before you're seated, clap your hands once again. Unto the Lord. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Don't let the sun go down. Our text says, be ye angry and 
sin not. A lot of times people don't understand exactly what that scripture means or what it is trying to convey. Be angry and sin not. Sometimes I believe that the Bible even gives us a license to direct that emotion of anger that sometimes we have a difficult challenge of controlling. And uh, I know in this world there's a lot of things that can make a person angry or could trigger anger in a person's life. But I want to tell you, if there's anything that we ought to be angry about, that is the flood tide of the enemy and the destructive force of the enemy in the lives of people today. And when we see and identify that he's working in people that we're close to, in people that we love, and souls that we want to see saved, there ought to be an emotion, there ought to be a desire and a passion that rises with a, within each of us and a determination to resist that and to fight against that. But even this anger that is spoken of here in the Scripture has limitation, <clears throat> limitations on it. Excuse me. He said, be angry and sin not. In other words, don't allow that emotion to go too far until it goes and bleeds into other areas of your life. But make sure that it's directed in the right way and at the right thing. So many people's anger, so many people's wrath, if I could say it that way, so many people's vengeance is on things that it shouldn't be, focused on things that it shouldn't be, or directed towards things that it shouldn't be. But if you're going to be disturbed about anything, if you're going to be upset about anything, you ought to be upset at what the devil is doing in this hour. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And the setting of the sun has always been representative of the end or the ending of the day. And the day in Scripture is representative many times of a man's life or a person's life. Also, it is used to, of course, mark time, but not only time as we know it, time according to the Word of God. And we understand that there is divisions in time in the Word of the Lord that is important for us to understand. But let's go back to the fact that the day is representative of a man's life or a woman's life. Because every life has a sunset. It has a beginning. There is a birth. My particular sunrise was on uh, May the 5th, 1973. Cinco de Mayo. Amen. All of my Spanish people say amen. Praise the Lord. Cinco de Mayo. But anyway... That was my sunrise. Every one of us have a sunrise, have a birth. And then uh, there is, of course, what we call midlife, or we would say here noontime or midday. And then, of course, there is the sunset or the conclusion or the ending of a life. Death and death, the Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die. So everybody here. Uh, we're at some point, if the Lord tarries, we're going to pass from this life. And we would consider that to be the sunset. You often hear people refer 
to the sunset years of their life. And this verse deals very with a very harsh reality of life. And that is that there will be opposition. There will be resistance. There will be challenges. There will be contradictions. And there may even be, probably will be, failures and mistakes that are made during one's day or during our life. Uh, During the morning hours or at noon, we may not always respond. We may not always make the best choices and decisions and always do the right thing. And wrath may become, as this scripture says, a part of our day. But the Bible admonishes us before the day is over or before life has concluded, we should rectify those wrongs. And make them right so that it doesn't have to end like that. That doesn't have to be the conclusion of our life. I like what the wise man said in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, consider the conclusion of the matter. In other words, uh, you, you may look at the scenario as it is right now. You may look at the situation as it stands And it may look like it's going to be one way, but that is not the finality of the situation. Wait until the conclusion before you judge, before you put a final stamp on something, before you make your decision and determine your thoughts about certain things. It's important that you see the conclusion of the matter. You know, that speaks hope into every one of our lives. That gives every one of us a chance. That, that, that ought to excite and enthuse every individual because all of us, we understand that we had the propensity to fail. We had the propensity to come up short. We had the propensity to make bad choices and bad decisions and go the wrong way or to deviate in some way from the plan of God for our lives. But I'm so happy, as that wise man said, that it's the conclusion that really counts. It's the end of the matter that really counts. It's the final line on the final chapter that really matters. And that is what we're going to be judged for, is how things end up at the conclusion. Someone once coined the phrase, entrances are brief. But exits are eternal, and how true that really is. And one of the most overlooked realities of life is that you will not be remembered so much for what or how that you lived in this life, but how that you left this life or the legacy that you left behind. It's the grand finale that is really going to count. And when I think about this and consider this, I I think about us coming to the conclusion of another year. You know, we're only just a few days until the conclusion of 2019 and the beginning of a new year. And it's at these times that we often take inventory and we consider, is there changes and resolutions, some people call them, that we're going to make when we think about the new year that is encroaching upon us and Is there some things that I want to alter about my life? And 
a lot of people make those lists and they make those goals and they aspire to do those things. I'm going to change this. I'm going to alter that. I'm going to have a better marriage. I'm going to live more healthy. I'm going to have uh, more time to, to spend with my family. I'm going to reschedule some things. I'm going to prioritize some things in my life. And so what I'm preaching here this morning uh, kind of coincides with the period that we're in during the last few days of 2019. And maybe there's people here this morning, you thought about this and you've considered there's areas of my life that I would like to alter. There's things about myself that I would like to see change. There's areas of my life that I'm not particularly proud of and there's things that I'm not happy with in myself that I, I want to do something about. And I want to tell you this morning that while there's a lot of people that are going to make those lists and they're not going to follow through after 30 or so days down the road, after the first of the year and all of the new of the new year wears off. They're going to go back to the same routine, the same lifestyle, the same habitual habits that they had uh, previously and fall into the same rut and traces that they were in before. But I am so thankful that through the help of the Holy Ghost, through the power of God that is in this room this morning, that we felt the presence of the Lord the Spirit of God moving through this place, amen, as we begin to worship God. He is here to help us so that we don't have to go back. We don't have to return. We don't have to live with regrets. But we can change and stay in a place of growing in the grace of God and the understanding of God and the strength and the help of God and not go back to whatever it was that He delivered us out of. I'm so thankful that this gospel is that powerful. I'm so thankful. The Bible said it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. It's the power of God unto salvation. I'm so thankful that I can, I can preach to this congregation and tell you that there is a point in my life when I received this glorious gospel. In other words, I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, and I was filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. That was when I was saved. That is when I found the Lord, or better said, He found me. But I'm so thankful that from that point, uh, there's been many times along the way that that experience has been renewed, and I continue to stay saved because of that renewing. And I'm not completely saved yet because the rapture hasn't taken place, or I'm still living on this earth. But as long as I keep walking with God, keep walking in the Holy Ghost, keep living for Him, keep serving Him according to His Word, I can be saved. It's the power of God unto salvation. In other words, this power that I received when I received the Holy Ghost was not just for then to help me overcome whatever it was I was addicted to, whatever it was I was bound by, whatever it was that incarcerated my spirit, whatever it was that hindered me. Amen. But I was delivered then, and whatever I may face in the future before Jesus comes, I'm telling you, it's power to overcome unto salvation. He's going to keep me if I keep walking with Him. Amen. 
Of course, we don't believe in a once saved, always saved doctrine. We don't believe in eternal security as uh, the denominal world defines it. Amen. I, I, I don't believe that once you accept the Lord, then you can go and do whatever you please and, and everything is A-OK, you're fine and you don't have anything to worry about. I don't believe, as some do, that once you ever came to an altar and confessed your sins and recited a sinner's prayer, and do you realize how many of those prayers there actually is? If words really matter, and if the Word of God, we believe it literally, and the Word of God is truth as we believe it to be, and those words, every one of them, is going to judge us at the end, and we take it literally, why is there, and you Google it when you get home, if you don't do it right now. I know you probably have the capacity to do it right now. Don't do that right now. But you Google that when you get a chance, and you'll find that there's not a hundred or so sinner's prayers, but there's thousands of sinner's prayers. Now, all of us have got to admit, there's got to be something more than that. I mean, you can't pick up a pamphlet at the state fair and, and while you're on the Ferris wheel, read over it. And when you get off, end up being saved. Most of us realize there's something more to it than that. That there's life-changing power in the Holy Ghost. That salvation is a new birth experience. Don't, don't tell me that I, I read over a little pamphlet and I quoted that little pamphlet and when I, when I did that, that automatically I checked a few boxes and, and all of a sudden I was changed and I didn't really feel a lot different, but I just, uh, I just know something had to have happened because I followed this. Not that there's thousands of these to follow. That, that can't possibly be right. And most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we realize there's got to be something more to it than that. I'm telling you that there is. There is a glorious experience that you can receive when you repent of your sins and when you baptize in the name of the Lord for the remission of those sins. And let me just say you this, there's more than just an act or something that we do out of obedience. A lot of people say, well, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to be baptized, well, that's just an act of obedience. Anyway, I'm going to tell you it's more than just an act of obedience. It is an act of obedience, but that's not all that there is to it. It is an act uh, that saves us as well. Amen. The Bible tells us that we're washed. Uh, we're saved by the washing of regeneration. Amen. I want a washing. I want something that's real. I want something that uh, I can look back to and say that was a landmark experience in my life. Uh, there was a change that took place. Uh, there was an old man, but now there's a new man. Uh, there was an old me, but now there's a new me. Uh, there was an old lifestyle, but now there's a new lifestyle. Amen. That's the person before God came into his life uh, and now is the individual that walks with newness of life. Uh, amen. That walks, amen, as a different person. That's what the gospel can do for you. And then once you're baptized in the name of the Lord, you receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. And somebody says, well, I don't know if the Holy Ghost is actually a necessity and essential as you folks say that it is. Well, the Bible tells me that 
and I could prove it in more places than just this, but that if I have not the Spirit of Christ, I'm none of His. What's the evidence of the Spirit of Christ? Well, the Bible tells me that the initial sign of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is that you will speak in a heavenly language or a new tongue. Amen. And a lot of folks say, well, that, that was just for those, that was just a sign for when the church began back there on the day of Pentecost. Well, that sounds real good until you read the entire chapter of Acts chapter 2. And it said in there, there's promises unto you and to your children, the next generation, and all that are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Don't tell me that the Holy Ghost is not a promise that includes me. If the Bible said it's for everybody. As many as the Lord our God shall call. It's not just for that generation and the generation that followed. It's not just for a group of people in Jerusalem. But it goes into every corner of the world. Why? Because that's what the Bible said. And it's an experience that is still available. And it still can be had. And somebody can receive it before they leave this place this morning that's how much I believe this truth come on let's give some praise unto the Lord if you got the Holy Ghost you ought to give some praise most of us realize there's got to be a a change that comes with salvation there's got to be a difference that that is made with, with salvation Because if it's the grand finale that really counts, and if I believe the word of Jesus Christ, who said, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved, then I want to end well. I want to end, I want to strive for mastery, as the scripture says. And so I want to encourage you. You may have messed up in the morning. You may have made some mistakes during the middle of your day, your life. And we all know that the sun is setting. I mean, just look around you. Jesus is soon to come. But there is enough time. And it does not have to end in a negative manner for you. You can right your wrongs. You can receive forgiveness. You can forgive others. You can let things go. You can be restored. If you've lost hope somewhere along the way, if you've lost if you've lost peace somewhere along the way, if you've lost the joy of serving God somewhere along the way, then you can be restored in that joy. If somewhere along the way the devil has managed to shackle you and binds you up in some area and you don't feel the liberty that you used to feel and the freedom that you used to feel, then I'm here to tell you you can be delivered this morning. It's not too late to to receive salvation the Bible way. It's not too late to to act upon what you know is right. It's not too late to to make some good decisions and right choices and say, you know what? I may have failed in some areas. I may have let down in some areas. I I may have uh, deviated in some areas. I may have went astray in some areas. But I'm so grateful that God gives me a chance. He gives me an opportunity to make things right this morning. The sun hasn't gone down yet. There's still enough time to make a change. There's still enough time to rewrite the final chapter of your life. I'm preaching about your soul's salvation. I'm preaching about your walk with God. 
I'm preaching about areas of your life you'd like to see change and to be better. I'm preaching about areas of your life that maybe you've said, I want to be used of God. I want to be blessed of God. I want God to touch me and anoint me again. I'm telling you, the sun hasn't gone down on your wrath just yet. You can make some changes in your life. I was listening to a to a podcast the other day, and sometimes to to get my mind off the misery of exercising, I I listen to a podcast, and some manage to do it, and some are you know not so good, and so, but this one was was a good good podcast that I was listening to, and it was talking about the happiness of people, and actually the person that was giving this podcast, told a lot of his personal story. And he said, you know, there's always been this debate, and and most of you are probably aware of this, there's been this debate over the ages about the the difference or, or, you know, what is it that really makes us who we are? Is it nature or genetics, or is it nurture, which is how we were raised, the influences of our life? And there's always this debate between the two. Which one is really the most important? Are you uh, genetically predisposed to be a certain way? And we, we all know as far as our health is concerned that that's true. As far as our uh, physiology is concerned, that's obviously right. If, if Grandpa had heart trouble and had a high cholesterol and... and uh, then you're probably going to have to pay attention to those kind of things. And we, we understand all of that. And then they said, well, what, what, what portion of it comes down to a, a person's nurture and the influences of their life? And, of course, this guy, he, he, he wasn't a, a godly person, and so basically he was laying out the argument for how that nurture uh, really was a minor part to it and as I began to think about his argument, I thought about possibly that's true if that's the only things that you rely upon is just what happens here on earth and what happens here as far as in the earth realm when you're talking about the flesh and the ability of the flesh to change things because we know that flesh, no matter what and how powerful and how talented and how skilled, it all has its limitations. There's, there's, there's a place where uh, talent ends, and there's a place. It doesn't matter how uh, a person genetically is uh, built and how strong that they are. There's a limitation that they're going to find out. This is, this is, you know, weightlifters call it maxing out. This is, this is it. This is as far as you can go. But I'm going to tell you about God. There's no place that he maxes out. Bible said he's able to do it seating and abundantly above all. Seating and abundantly above all that we ask or think. Didn't put any limitation on it. Didn't put any level in saying that's the limit right there. That's as far as I can go. He never reaches a place and says, you know what? Uh, that's as much and as, 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 as that, that extends me as as far as I can go right there. I can't do any more than that. That's not the God that I serve. 
He works in abundance. Uh, you need more healing. I got more of that over here. You need more. You need more of the Spirit of God for your strength. I got more of that. You need more mercy. Well, that endures forever. I, I got as much of it, and I could go on the rest of my time here this morning talking about the abundance of God. So I suppose if you don't believe in God, then you've got to rely upon nature. You've got to rely upon the flesh, in other words. You've got to, you've got to sink down into and succumb to whatever science says. But I'm so thankful that I don't have to succumb to what science says because I believe in a supernatural God that is able to do exceeding and abundant above all that science says. He said, well, about 45% of people, their, their happiness is contingent upon their genetics. I thought to myself, people that depend upon that, that's a pretty hopeless situation. And then he gave some more uh, statistics, uh, you know, concerning all of that and, and went on for a little while on all of those uh, subjects and, and talked about it. But one of the things that astounded me one of the things that really astounded me is he said, you know, they did a little study on people uh, that, that were, became because of an accident paraplegics and then those uh, that won the lottery. And they kind of went side by side in their study and research of them. And, and what it is is they were talking about an event that happened in a person's life and how that that would alter a person's life. And did that one event change their life forever? And uh, again, these are events that are limited in their scope. These are, these are events that are a part of life and situations of life. And he said an amazing statistic came back is that people that were, because of an accident, made to be a paraplegic, lost their mobility. Most of us would, would say, well, if I, I lost mobility, I wouldn't even want to live. I, I wouldn't even want to exist. I wouldn't want to be here. But he said that's really not, that's not true. He said six months after the event that made them uh, a paraplegic, he said people regained the same level of happiness that they were one day before the event happened or the accident occurred in their life. Because it was a mindset that's why we need this renewing of the mind. I'm going to tell you, if you're depending on this flesh, I see a lot of people try to live for God. They try to be obedient to the Word of God just in their flesh. You're missing it, my friend. You have to have the power of the Spirit of God. That's what makes the journey worthwhile. That's what brings completeness to our lives. That's what gives us the ability to overcome. I cannot write down a sheet of goals at the beginning of the year and say, I'm going to change this and I'm going to do that. Hey, that you're going to fail every time when you try it that way. Amen. You don't have enough strong enough will to do it. You don't have a strong enough mindset necessarily to do it. You'll last for a little while. But when it fades and when it runs out, you're going to need the grace of God and the power of God to overcome. His grace will enable you to stand back up again and get back on course. I'm telling you, it's not over yet. You can change. You can be different through the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, let's give him some praise right now. Let's give him some worship. Let's give him some glory. 
there is an event that I could preach about here this morning that once you experienced it, amen, it's more than just an event. It really is an experience. When you get the Holy Ghost, it totally alters everything. It changes everything. Nothing is the same. Nothing remains the same. Amen. You can be a different individual. You can be a different person. Things that you were not able to achieve on your own, you can achieve it now through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you give him some praise this morning? The sun hadn't gone down yet. The Bible's replete with examples of people refuse to just accept fate as it was. They didn't do it within their flesh and their strong will and their stubborn resolve. But they do it through the help of the Spirit. What about John? A man that lived close to the Lord. A man that had a unique relationship with the Lord. And the Bible says that he was apprehended once he was. He was boiled in oil. Banished to the Isle of Patmos. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures of it. And it's a very, well, it's just really craggly rocks that come up out of the sea. There's nothing there. He was banished to this place as a prisoner. And I suppose that he could have ended his life bitter. I suppose that he could have ended his life feeling like I give myself to all the wrong things because look what I've gotten at the end of it all. But the Bible says that's not at all the attitude John had. But while there on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I may be banished by man to an Isle of Patmos, but I'm not banished from the presence of the Lord. Because the Bible says that he makes this statement, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You can separate me from my people, but you can't separate me from the Spirit of God. You can separate me from pleasures of this world, but you can't separate me. Oh, you can separate me, amen, from a lot of things, but you can't separate me from the Spirit of God. Amen. I can always get in the presence of the Lord. And as he got into the presence of the Lord, the Lord revealed to him things that he never revealed to another human being. How is it? I'm telling you, it's because there was a man that was willing not to succumb to the things of this life and the and the situations of this life but rose above them through the help and the power of the Spirit of God, the presence of God. Amen. He realized I could ascend above this. I don't have to succumb to this. I don't have to live this way. I don't have to set this as the end. I can know that things can become better through the help of God. In essence, he said, I'm not going to end my life bitter. I'm not going to end my life backslid. I'm not going to end my life blaming, but I'm going to end my life in the Spirit. What, what could we say about Samson? Samson, a man that had known anointing, known the presence of God, known the glory of the Lord, and made some poor decisions, to say the least, and choices. And ended up being bound and imprisoned by the Philistines. And when they took him in and imprisoned him, notice the first thing they did is they gouged out his eyes. 
I'm going to tell you what the devil wants to do to every person in this place. He wants you to see no hope in the future. He wants you to have no vision for anything beyond right now. He wants you to live in the darkness of discouragement. He wants you to stay in the darkness of that disappointment. He wants you to stay apprehended in that darkness of a bad decision that has been made. But the Bible says that when they was to make sport of him, that he said, lead me to the columns or the pillars where upon the house stands. And they led him to those pillars, a little lad of a boy did. And he said, Lord, if you'll just anoint me one more time, I'm paraphrasing, if you'll just let me feel your spirit one more time, I won't let it end exactly the way that the devil intended for it to end. I won't be destroyed and I won't let destruction be, be written over my life. I am going to be victorious. I'm going to right the wrong right here. I'm going to make a better decision. I'm going to make sure the conclusion is what counts in my life. Oh, you better consider the conclusion of the matter. You may not judge me right now. Oh, don't, don't, don't look at me and say there's no hope right now. Don't, don't look at the situation and say that's, that's, uh, that's the end of it. They're, they're never going to rise above that. Oh, no. Don't accept that. Uh, somebody needs to rise up from the ruins uh, and say rejoice not against me, O oh, mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall. I shall get back up again because the sun hasn't gone down yet. Oh, somebody give him some praise again right now. about Simon Peter I mean this is the guy that the Lord had revealed so much to he was one of those hand chosen guys that gets to go in where nobody else gets to go among the disciples I mean you got you know you got these levels of degrees of closeness I guess you could say you got the 70 that are followers or some would say disciples and then you have those 12 chosen disciples and then you have Peter, James, and John that it seems like they get access that others don't. And after experiencing all of those things and knowing him in a way that perhaps others never had the opportunity to know him, the Bible said he cursed him, cursed and denied him, and said he never knew him. And it looked like that was going to be the conclusion of the matter. That was going to be it. And you, you, you've got to understand that there was a decision and there was a choice that had to be made at that point. Because there was so much writing on that choice and that decision. You realize that this is a man that had already been handpicked. This is a man that had already been given so many things. This is a man that God had already ordained for a certain purpose. I'm going to tell you, people that have been called and the purpose of their life is to be used of God, that's the one the devil is after like no other. That's the ones he wants to destroy. Somebody says, well, I don't understand why. I can't seem to get a leg up. I can't understand why I'm always fighting this. and I can't understand why, why this is such a struggle for me. Hello. Maybe it is that God wants to use you in a way that you didn't even imagine that he wants to use you. 
maybe you need to realize that there's more to it than just what you're thinking, that there is a true purpose for your life, and the devil wants to do his best to distract you from that purpose. And so Simon Peter says, I can let it in like this. Or when I hear him calling, I can come running and fall at his feet. Amen. And when he asks me, Ask me if I love him. Oh, I can tell him how much I really truly love him. Oh, when he asks me if I'm willing to feed his sheep, I, I, I can tell him that I'm willing to do whatever he would desire me to do. Oh, do you realize that, that Simon Peter, you don't have to end this in denial, but you can end this uh, going out in a blaze of glory at Pentecost. You can end this uh, having revolutionized the entire countryside with an apostolic revival that we still read about and we still use it as an example today. I'm preaching to somebody. It's not just right now, amen, that, that, that we look at our lives and we say, well, that, that's the way it looks right now and I suppose that's the way it's going to end up. No, it doesn't matter how old you are and it doesn't matter how far gone you may feel. I'm telling you today you can rise up because the sun hasn't gone down just yet. There's a man is written about in 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. Tells us in this passage, really, it's a, it's a genealogy that is given here. And in this passage of predictability, there's a man that is named Jabez. And the Bible says that he's called Jabez because his mother bore him in sorrow. She bore him in sorrow, so he earned this name. Of Jabez. That was the title that was placed upon him. Has anybody considered the generation that we're living in? This is a generation of sorrow. Over half of the marriages fail in divorce. Suicide rate a few years ago had increased among young people 700%. Now they say it is even escalating more. And they are puzzled and scratching their head as to why young people are ending their lives. Why they feel so hopeless and feel like there's no escape or way out from their troubles. And then the violence that is sweeping over our globe. People that are taking their rage and their anger and, and shooting people up. Marketplaces and public places where they go and mass murder seems like it's just about on a monthly basis or even more in our world today something that for many of you in your early life was almost unheard of I remember some of the things that were talked about as far as mass shootings and things that happened and how that they was referred to as anomalies and and, uh, and I remember the, the, the body count back then being so much lower than what it is today. And it seems like it's just reoccurring. And nobody seems to know how to get to the bottom of the issue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that there's no hope. There's no hope in, in, in just 
politics and there's no hope in societal reforms and there's there's no hope in, in all of those things. That That's not what's going to fix this thing because my Bible said men are going to wax worse and worse until Jesus comes. This thing isn't getting better as far as this world is concerned. Matter of fact, it's going to go out. Uh, the Bible said it's going to melt with a fervent heat. That's what's going to happen to this world. But when, when we realize that our hope lies in Jesus Christ, when we realize uh, that the only fixer is Jesus Christ, when we realize uh, that we can't find peace uh, and we'll never find the end of violence, uh, trying to figure it out in politics and trying to do it on our own, then we're wising up to the fact uh, that we need the help uh, of Jesus Christ. We need the peace of God more than we need anything in this world. Born in sorrow. But thank God this young man said, you know what? I may have been born this way. I may have been born to lose, but I got a chance. And I got an opportunity to win. And so I'm not going to stay here. Lord, bless me indeed. And enlarge my coast. Don't let me stay in the confines of what I was born into. Don't let me just live life and die without any hope. Then help me to rise up through the help of Jesus Christ and become something greater than this why don't you stand to your feet right now and let's worship the Lord together Joshua was on the battlefield he had momentum on his side things were going his way the Lord was blessing they were Obtaining a victory. And the Bible says that he noticed something. He noticed that the sun was going down. And he said, you know what? I haven't quite got all the victory that I want just yet. I haven't got all that I need just yet. And so in a passionate prayer, he held out his hand towards the sun. He said, sun, stand still. Amen. And you know what? The Lord gave him a miracle until he was able to get the complete victory and to overcome in the situation. He gave him, in other words, a little bit more time. Time is a tool that God uses. Time is a tool that God uses to help rattle us and get our attention and help us to realize that opportunities that are afforded us are not forever. Opportunities that are afforded us, there is a time frame that we have to respond and we have to act upon those things. We have to do something about it then. Most of you know my, my story, but my grandfather, his daddy was an apostolic preacher. And um, when he got up old enough to make his own decisions and choices, he'd drifted away from God and uh, he went into a lifestyle of honky tonks and being a musician in nightclubs and uh, multiple marriages and children and just just a mess his life was just a mess and uh, he got sick one day and went to the hospital and required that he stay in the hospital for several days after a surgery. 
He told me one time, he said, while I was in that hospital, Jason, he said, I read the Bible from cover to cover. While I was laying there on my back, God had me pinned down. And he said, God began to stir my soul up. Now a man that was around the age of 60, given his life to the world, and it looked like that that's the way it was going to end. His daddy had passed away. His mother was still living. She was very old. And he picked up the phone. He called her. He said, where is there a church? He called his dad, Papa, that preaches what Papa preached. She told him about a church out on North Lewis in Tulsa, Oklahoma, pastored by Brother Carl Ecker. He said, if you go there, he preaches what your father used to preach. And that man, though he was getting older and had given his life and had so many wasted years, he went to that little church. And I've been there many times, preached some of my very first sermons in that church. Just a building, just kind of a shotgun building, pews on both sides, the middle aisle. And the preacher preached and gave the altar call. He came down to the altar, gave his life to God, repented of his sins. He was baptized. He was re renewed, refilled in the Holy Ghost. And he didn't stop there. He got his family and started working on them. Now his children were older and sons were already out doing their own, their own thing. My mother was already married. Started working on them, bringing them to church. He said, "It can't, can't be that the ending chapter of our lives is one of devastation and destruction." And I'm so thankful there was a man that said, "If you'll give me some time, God, if you'll not let the sun go down, I'll change this. I won't let it go down on my wrath. I won't let it go down as I was a loser and a sinner and a backslider away from God. But I'll, I'll go down." as a person that tried to make a change and tried to make some decisions to right these wrongs. And so he, he bring, brings them in one by one. I don't remember exactly the number off the top of my head, but I know it was in the 20s of how many people that was brought in in his direct family line that he brought to church because he said there's still some hope. It's the conclusion that counts. Two of his sons are pastors today. He's got grandsons like myself in the ministry, grandsons-in-laws in the ministry. He never preached a sermon, but he made a choice and he made a decision that I'm not going to let it end like this right here. I'm not going to let this be the last line that's written about me. I'm going to make some changes. As we embark upon a new year, as we close out, 2019, I just wonder if there's somebody that would say, you know what? If God will give me the chance, and if God will give me a little bit more time, and if God will afford me the opportunity, then I want to surrender the time that I have left to Him. I want to give myself completely to serving the Lord and doing the will of God. Maybe there's a saying of God that is here that is Maybe maybe in some ways you've let your heart grow cold and you've let yourself become indifferent towards the church. The Bible prophesies that that's, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people. The love of many, the Bible says, 
shall wax cold. That, that's a gradual thing. When something waxes cold, that's not something that just happens overnight or in a second. That's something that gradually takes place. You let it gradually happen. Nobody backslides just overnight. Nobody makes that kind of choice and decision, but they let little things accumulate over time, and it destroys them. I'm going to tell you, that spirit is working in this hour. It's working like it never has before. I see it working like I've never seen it work in people's lives. That spirit is strong, trying to draw people away, trying to... You know, it's not just, it's not one big thing. It's not one big situation that that's it. That's not, not a big blow up. They just quietly dismiss themselves. And they fade off in the distance because they lack a love and a passion for the things of God. I'm going to tell you, there ever was an hour saying to God that you need to stir yourself up. You need to shake yourself, splash some spiritual water in your face, whatever it takes to wake up and realize, I cannot allow that to happen to me and my family. I don't want to be so selfish that I keep my children away from church. I don't want to be so selfish that I, I allow some carnal person out there that's away from God. I allow them to affect me and allow them uh, to get into my spirit and allow them and their carnality to rub off on me and to think that, that what I've lived and what I've lived for for so long is not right. Say you're too far along in this race, my friend, to make that kind of a tragic error. But I just wonder, as the sun is fading, as it's going down, is there somebody wants to come to this altar and say, God, if you'll just give me just a little bit more time, if you'll give me just another opportunity, Amen. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Make your way as they begin to sing. I wonder if we just couldn't all gather just as close as we can here this morning. All seek after God and all pray just as tender-hearted individuals that, that all of us stand in need of more of Him. I desire You, Lord. I desire Your help. I desire Your strength. I desire Your touch. I need Your anointing. Hallelujah. I need your help and your blessing and your strength today. I love you, Jesus, so much. I am so thankful to you. And I truly worship you. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let's seek after the face of God here. Oh, somebody cry out to him this morning. You thought I was worth saving. Oh, yes. So you Thank you, Jesus. Oh, call on him today. Reach out to him today. So you keep me up inside. You thought I was to die. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Listen to it. 